welcome to another episode of the Black Esquire podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Whitehead. I am here with my lovely co-host, Michelle Jenkins. Hey, y'all. Is this is, if this is your first time tuning in to the Black Esquire podcast, this is a safe space where we discuss how to live your best life as a young black professional. Michelle, where can they find us on social media? Thanks for your intro, for the intro, Shelly. As Shelly mentioned, I'm Michelle, half of the Black Esquire podcast, and a Chicago-based attorney who dreamed up this safe space. So come on in, get comfy. We're absolutely thrilled to have you. You can find more of related to the uh, Black experience in corporate America on our website at blackesquirepodcast.com. There we feature weekly blogs, events, and background info. On Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at Black Esquire Podcast. So join to join our uh, closed Facebook group. Uh, also visit us on Facebook at the hashtag mentioned earlier. Um, it's called the Fellowship, and it gets popping in there. Uh, we post different articles and discuss different topics that are happening in mainstream media uh, as it relates to again the Black experience in corporate America. Our, our episodes can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, and share. Um, we really would appreciate your engagement and sharing the episodes, of course. It's how we attract sponsors and how we get better content to you. All right. So it is not just Michelle and I in studio today. We have a guest with us, Mr. Fabian Elliott. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to read uh, Fabian's bio. Uh, um, <laughs> on the surface, as a big ideas ad tech consultant, Fabian is known for driving hyperspeed strategies on behalf of top tier companies such as Amazon, Target, Best Buy, and many more, all to better transform their consumer data into digital advertising successes. However, Fabian's bold vision to connect technology with black empowerment enterprises was prompted by his own professional experiences with racial bias as a young adult. Shortly after his entry to the tech sector, these motivating instances stirred him to play a crucial role in the revamp, revitalization, and rebrand of Google's black employee group, where Fabian was appointed global co-chair. In this role, Fabian co-chaired a leadership team responsible for 14 chapters and 700-plus members across London, Dublin, Sao Paulo, all over the globe. Each one of these international experiences inspired Fabian more and more to crack the code on building black tech ecosystems that optimize cities around the world, starting with Chicago. Developing with purpose of global connectivity, Black Tech Mecca became the world's only data-driven think tank focused on the collective power of the Black Tech community. With Fabian's leadership as, as CEO and co-founder, this vitalizing organization leverages data to help cities power the Black community's active contributions to local tech ecosystems through research, education, and advocacy. Most recently, BTM, Black Tech Mecca, developed a proprietary uh, BTE, which is a uh, black tech ecosystem, city assessment framework utilized for a trailblazing report on the city of Chicago sponsored by Google, NBC Comcast, and CompTIA. Outside of the tech world, Fabian is a member of the 100 Black Men of Chicago, Economic Club of Chicago, and governor-appointed Illinois Bicentennial Commissioner. So he does a lot, y'all. <laughs> he is also sitting on the iron throne of Google, having five pages of relevant results when you Google his name. <laughs> 
so he, he's a big deal. He's a big deal, you all. So mm-hmm. Fabian, thank you again for for joining us. Um, and in a black traditional Black Esquire podcast fashion, can you tell us what you're sipping on today? We got a little Jack and Coke action. Okay, <laughs> Jack and Coke. Simple. Very nice, mm-hmm. Michelle. What you doing? What you I'm doing on? a sidecar today. And, and I'm doing the delicious. same. I'm doing the same. <laughs> All right, Michelle, what are we talking about with Fabian today? So by now, most of us have seen the least or at least viewed clips of Beyonce's homecoming themed special published by Netflix. Unquestionably, the largest takeaway for me was conceptualizing the amount of work she and her team put into the production. It was eight months of rehearsals, four months with just music, four months with um dance and music um only six month, months postpartum after dropping surrey and what was the name sir and rummy what i say surrey and sir siri anyway um <laughs> needless to say the diversity and inclusion beyonce brought to coachella and the world stage cost a great deal and i think kendall norris said it best at fabian's 2018 state of the black ecosystem conference quote being able to educate oneself and understanding the game around you at least puts you in the game end quote he noted in his speech it's not about the words it's about the actions that you take and in this episode we want to talk about the costs associated with being a sort of beyonce like innovator in um tradition heavy workspaces so let's jump right in so i got an idea and I think it's going to sort of um, address some issue in a workspace that's corporate. What do I do? Yeah, so it starts with uh, you know, being able to understand your idea and you know what value or impact you think it's going to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what like when you most of the time think about it is, okay, why does this idea matter? You know, who cares about mm. it? You know, who are those folks that you need to get on board to either be able to fund it? Because even in a corporate right. environment, mm-hmm. like you need budget. Yeah. For a lot of things, you need resources, either right. money or people. And uh, you need to be able to have some type of, you know, trust or rapport to be able to, you know, pull it off and make it happen. But I think it starts with the idea and, you know, being able to find out First, being able to like get some validation on it, mm. you know, like run it by a few folks, because um, a lot of times um, ideas, especially for millennials, we we put too much value on ideas sometimes. Mm. It really comes down to uh, implementation and mm. like. Um, so, like, just having the idea is not enough. Yeah. So, like, there's very few if any unique ideas it's about who can implement it the best and mm. who you know takes the time to really think about it uh the best way to to take what impl- implementation path is going to be best yeah right. so that's why the mistake a lot of i see a lot of millennials make is you get an idea and you just want to move on it as quickly as possible right. like <laughs> lightning fast you don't take any time to like try to validate it or um you know set yourself up for uh the maximum implementation. We use success. social media to validate ourselves now. We're like, oh, I got a logo and an Instagram and you can follow it on Facebook mm-hmm. and now it's valid because I got a business now because I have an Instagram and a logo and maybe an email. Usually they don't have an email. Yeah. So, when you, so when you say validate, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go deeper. So um, what does that mean? Because like, uh, like Michelle said, people think, well, if I put it on social media, that's validation. So, mm-hmm. But in your, in your world, what does validating your idea look like before you even yeah. present it? So validating it means poking holes in it 
and mm. you know ensuring that without doing as much as you can without actually executing it mm. to okay. using the word validate or confirm that there's a high likelihood that it's going to be able to yield you the results you know that you're looking for right. so a lot of times in the startup or innovation world it's you know how quick before you invest millions of dollars and trying to build an app and a team and all these other things or whatever you're trying to do like how can you give it a test run yeah. with either um, the people that you think like whoever you're trying to serve whoever your customer is for this solution you're mm -hmm. making sure that it's what they want and yeah. it would be valuable before you spend the time mm -hmm. you know bringing it to market or you know creating it and I think it, it's similar in a corporate environment. So say you had an idea that you think will help your business's clients, maybe have a few conversations with some of the clients themselves and talk to them about your idea. And uh, then they could tell you it stinks and then you might need to go back to the drawing board. But if they think you have something, then that's some customer validation that yeah. you know you will feel better about. And then you, you can leverage that in conversations to get other people on board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the validation, that's that's a real unique perspective in the sense that the validation in and of itself is in the error, wherever the error is, finding the error then, right? Yeah. And a lot of times people are very protective and sensitive over their ideas, so they don't want to share it with people. Right. It mm -hmm. becomes their baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing you uh, have to think about, too, is like whatever the end goal you're going for, mm -hmm. sometimes we get over we get over obsessed with how exactly we think to achieve that end goal. And that's mm -hmm. just not how life works in general. Like if you're trying to go somewhere, do something, you know, or you had this career plan in mind mm -hmm. and you think you lay out exactly how you want it to be. It never goes that way. Uh, but so are you balance. saying like be, so be open to it changing. Yeah. So being open to the ah. very best path. So what do they say? Like, you know, hold on to the vision, but be flexible on your methods, you know, okay. be flexible on. So say like if you're dry, if you want to go to Lincoln Park Zoo, yeah. you know, you think you know the best path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, be flexible. If Google Maps tells you to go a different way, that can get you there faster, you know? So like okay. that type of mm -hmm. flexibility. I get what you're saying, mm -hmm. but on balance, I think there's also a certain value to mm -hmm. staying true to whatever the pieces that mm -hmm. you're trying to accomplish because I think a lot of times what ends up happening is, is not necessarily that you shouldn't uh, sort of open up your 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 thought process to mm -hmm. adding things or taking away things mm -hmm. or what have you but I think sometimes we get to a point where uh, people are piggybacking so much mm -hmm. that now your idea your thought process is watered down and I think we see that a lot in diversity mm -hmm. and inclusion um, yep. sort of types of uh, conversations because diversity and inclusion is now um, really widespread widespread initially mm -hmm. it's, it was more so you know Quite honestly, black people. Where how do you how do you incorporate black people in the spaces? How do you incorporate minorities in the spaces? And now, you know, it's it's way more expansive than that. It's gender based. It's sexual orientation based. Mm -hmm. It's you know, I've seen groups say, "Oh, <laughs> we're diverse because." Um, we have women. Yes. <laughs> things like that. You yep. know, oh, yep. you know, we're diverse because we've got someone uh, on uh, on foreign exchange from, I don't know, Italy or mm -hmm. something like that. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, that's diversity now. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then you see sort of people kind of. So how do you sort of deal with that? How do you keep that focus? I think you've done that really well with mm -hmm. Black Tech Mecca. Mm -hmm. have, and, um, and I think also I wanted to know that it's really bold to and not bold, but just like it's kind of weird how it's like 
almost like taboo to label something with the black. the first yeah black. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of pressure these days where people tone down their language to use people of color. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like. Who are you really talking about? Most of the people on the planet are people of color. Like yeah, white right. that's people, true. Like, like you're talking Asian, <laughs> African, right. you know, Latina, Latinx. So, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times, it's unfortunate, a lot of black groups have started using that language. When you go to it, and you're not going to see nothing but Negroes. But right. talking about <laughs> people of color. Exactly. Because they're not confident enough to mm-hmm. you know, stand by that. So it was an easy decision for me because I had to be honest, it's, it's like, I don't speak Spanish. I don't mm-hmm. know much about, mm-hmm. you know, the Latinx experience. So no, like, hablo who, espanol. So like, <laughs> who am I to think that I can serve their community when I don't even understand it versus my community? You know, I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina on a dirt road. Everyone on that road was black. Most of them mm-hmm. were family. You know, my parents went to an HBCU. Yeah. Uh, Which ones? Like, uh, well, Fayetteville State. Oh. Uh, so C-I-A-A. Um, so it's <laughs> like, I, I feel like, these are the folks I understand the best and can help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just like you have a target audience for any business or any enterprise, that was the extra rationale for us to, you know, really uh, stay focused. Yeah. Out of curiosity, have you had people try to make you expand that to include others? No other one's giving it a good shot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it hasn't been. And honestly, the weirdest thing is that most of the people were black. Like, it wasn't even white people trying to say, hey, you know, wow. I want to tone down the name. It was, like, black folks, you that's know, interesting. that were giving us flack about the name um, in the early days. But that, that's kind of faded away at this point. Oh Well, I know Shelly and I had that experience. Like, um, we did a 5K together. We were uh, organizing a 5K together in it. Last um, year. Yeah, l- just last year. Mm-hmm. That was just last this year. This time oh last year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This time last year. And um, a lot of people were, oh, it's too militant. Oh, why are you going in the black neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Everybody else was excited about yeah. being in wherever we had it. I don't remember the name of that park. But mm-hmm. the park we had it is on, it's on the south side. But it's a nicer mm-hmm. park on the south side. Whatever. Yeah. So I definitely experienced that. Well, the, the beauty of it, too, that gives me the confidence to stay focused is that, man, if you help black people, yeah, you can help almost anybody like if you're tackling Mm -hmm. the challenges that black folks are facing you you look at the civil rights movement you Mm -hmm. know a lot even though a lot of the main figures were black they helped so many people they started more than just policies yeah that they laid out so set the ball rolling uh, that's what gives me confidence in the work we do because okay these solutions were coming up to help the black community you can take that and use it in any other community that's trying to you know level the playing field in tech so uh that that is the connection I see to everyone else. So mm-hmm. it's like our solutions, what we come up with, they can, they're free to try them for their own communities. Yeah. So then when you get that type of, let's start, talk about buy-in. Mm-hmm. So I've got all this sort of pushback. Um, even with the 5K, we got a lot of pushback because folks are like, run. I don't want to run. <laughs> <laughs> can I walk? <laughs> Five miles. I can't do five miles. Um, it's three. Right. It's just it's just three. And, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can just show up or even just donate. But anyway, well, anyway yeah. that's besides the point. I guess what my point is, is just sort of, you know, what I want to discuss our experiences with yep. um, getting buy-in and how that starts and mm-hmm. sort of how do you get to the point of like, okay, I got these sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was heavily based in just ha- – being excellent every time I do something mm-hmm. and they already know my track record mm-hmm. and then you just go to those people and then you're just like, 
you know, you know, I'm bomb. So how about you just get behind this too? And it mm-hmm. wasn't so hard for me. Yeah. Um, in the corporate workspace, that can be a little bit harder because I don't think people are so eager to put their neck out on the line for you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience with that has been. Uh, with the, being able to engage successfully with sponsors uh, for different initiatives. Or just mm-hmm. ga- garnering buy-in in mm-hmm. general. Like, where did you start mm-hmm. with Black Tech Mecca, for example? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for... Black Tech Mecca, it was really around, there was starting to be this groundswell of a lot of different activities and different groups popping up to help to improve the Black Tech community. But we all agreed that even with all all the different programs that were going on, no one was keeping score. And so there was no way to actually tell whether the Black Tech community was any better now than it was five years ago, 10 Mm -hmm. years ago, 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. And... Folks also recognize that there was opportunities to better work together, but mm-hmm. everyone's so busy trying to run their own programs and like you know keep the, the doors open that it wasn't because of any animosity. It was just people were busy, and so that those inputs and that intel allowed us to see okay, well there's a huge opportunity from a data standpoint to be able to find a way to assess and measure you know the health of the Black Tech community, and then from that you have a foundation to be able to identify opportunities for collaboration mm-hmm. that can be then data-driven and measurable, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the impact. And so getting that common ground on some of those those two initial items of, hey, yeah, we would we need data. We don't have local data to help fund our programs. So, for example, a lot of the tech diversity data is maybe at the national level. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so people that are doing specific work in different cities – they can just say, hey, yeah, this is really bad at the national level, but they don't always have localized data to say, hey, in Philadelphia, this is the situation, this is how our program's going to help, or hey, in Chicago, this is our situation, this is how the program's going to help. So everyone was open to that data. Everyone was open to finding a way to have an overall health check for the entire ecosystem, and then people were open to working together. Mm-hmm. So you so you pretty much struck very, um, what's it called, fertile ground. Um I guess the situations I'm discussing, though, mm-hmm. are sort of situations where it's not fertile, where mm-hmm. it's not, you know, a welcomed sort of. Um... And then the tech space in general mm-hmm. is welcomes innovation in general. Yeah. So when if I had to think about it in a more traditional space, uh, I mean, because, you, at... you know, we're both uh, attorneys by trade. So, yeah. you know, like we talked about before we started, like the right. law is very non-progressive. Mm-hmm. They're very set in their ways. Mm-hmm. They um, rely on precedent. What have we done before? That's right. how we're going to keep doing it. That's yep. how it's always going to be. Don't reinvent the wheel. <laughs> Don't reinvent the wheel. So, <laughs> stay in line. So here's the thing. So what I was describing, if you break it down to the bare bones of what's transferable mm-hmm. to anything, is that these people had a problem. Or a challenge, and everyone has a problem or a challenge, or everyone has some type of goal they're trying to achieve, and there's some type of barrier or blocker. And so, if you want someone on board, it's not about how they can help you; it's about how you can help them. Okay. In a lot of ways, and being able to understand, even in the most traditional, like black, uh, you know, white collar, you know, dry environment. Yeah. There's problems. There's mm-hmm. goals that folks are trying trying to achieve. And if you can kind of hook into those and help them see how whatever initiative you're trying to do can help them get where they're trying to go or help the organization. Yeah. Then that's another way to just think about 
you know, being able to get that buy-in. What if they don't see it's a problem? Mm. So that's where it comes back to tying it back to a problem they care about. Because that's, mm. that's where a lot of the things go over their head and it doesn't land is it's like, okay, you're talking about all these other problems, but these are mine. Uh-huh. I'll give uh-huh. you an example. Yeah. I'll give yeah. you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this is not necessarily innovation, but this is something I see with a lot of firms I work with. So um, a lot of the firms I work with, they're very big on FaceTime. Okay. Like okay. you have, like, I want to see the attorney in the office okay. five days a week, mm-hmm. you know, from sun up, sundown, you mm-hmm. need to be in there. Whereas the associate is like, I want to be able to work remotely yep. mm-hmm. and I want to be able to you know, be on the beach, be on the Starbucks and be able to work from anywhere. Yep. And the employer is like, no, you need mm-hmm. to be. So they don't see the value of doing that. Mm-hmm. So in that situation uh, where someone doesn't see the value in that, yeah. how do you bring that back? So you, I mean, these are just hypothetical um, examples, but you could look at, hey, what's our attrition or leadership rate looking like? Mm-hmm. Like, are we having trouble uh, keeping and retaining millennials and other folks Mm -hmm. that have these things that they're looking to do you know are we have like what's our future sustainability plan for leadership development and Mm -hmm. is like and and like once you can maybe dig in a bit there maybe there is like oh gosh yeah folks are staying a few years and then they're leaving for some reason Mm -hmm. um and folks we have this cliff where the partners are going to be retiring soon and Mm -hmm. like there's this gap that we are trying to figure out yeah could would this help them retain to like help us fill this gap? And Mm -hmm. like, so it's, that's just a random example that might not even apply, but Mm -hmm. uh, those are the ways that you always have to try to hook it back to, okay, what is something they care about? What is a challenge, Mm -hmm. you know, they're facing and, you know, do your best to, you know, help them see that connection because as, and you all have probably seen it, like, especially when you're in leadership, um, there are a million issues. Yeah. Yeah. you know, you that could be attacked, could be tackled, but they have a finite amount of time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that is not that they don't and always. Resources. Yeah. And resources. So yeah. it's not always that they don't think it's important. It's more so, OK, this one's a little bit more important. Yeah. So I can't really. You got to make it a priority. Right. So, yeah, you have to find and out how to hook it them. to the ones that are really important. Like mm-hmm. what's keeping them up at night? You yeah. Know, what are they focused on? And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, that's the ideal path that yeah. you want to gun for. And if you don't get that, you just have to understand it's going to be uphill battle and you got to be ready to get into those trenches. I think if you can tie whatever the innovation that you're presenting to making, um, so I do a lot of compliance work mm-hmm. in my job. And um, at the end of the day, there are four things people, the higher ups are typically concerned about. Can you make things faster? Can you yeah. make things better? Can you make them cheaper? And can you make them more efficient? So if you can tie whatever it is you're presenting to any of those four things, mm-hmm. I think that um, using that framework is extraordinarily helpful mm-hmm. because that's the bottom line at the end of the day. They want to be the fastest. They want to be the most efficient. They want to be. They want to do the job for whatever client you're serving or whatever uh, population you're serving, yeah. mo- the cheapest they can right. and and if it can just generally improve any any type of system that mm-hmm. better piece that's that's what that means it's not just like generally better for you right. it has to be better for everybody around you right and so if you can sort of tie things to that i think that's typically um a great way to start additionally mm-hmm. i think to your point um with regards to getting the yet um 
getting to the yes, getting to the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, the book, there's a book titled Getting to Yes. I recommend everybody read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that piece is about um, really, they talk about it in Getting to Yes, about focusing on the, on the, on the, um, objective sort of Mm -hmm. piece Mm -hmm. as opposed to focusing on like your little emotions and things like that. I think there's a time and place to focus on emotions, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of times when you're just in at the initial phases of sort of getting the buy-in, um, you really have to be more objective in your analysis and, um, try to try to garner the interest from a, from a, a real um, open space mm-hmm. where like everybody can kind of see this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think making people see that thing is really tied to your ability to think in a more world perspective. So if you haven't listened to our last episode on how to travel, <laughs> check that out. <laughs> it's cause we talk about that there. So yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with those points, but we'll see what's next on the list. Shelly. Uh, so long term, so uh, legacy. Yes. Yeah, so uh, when we talk about innovation, sometimes Jay Z has a song, that legacy song. Oh, anyway, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about uh, innovation, especially in more traditional spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, say we have this idea, we do it once, and then they never pick it up again. Mm-hmm. Or the people who are innovative, once they're gone, the idea is gone with them. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you? Um, make it sustainable so that it's mm-hmm. there and it's a fabric of the <laughs> yeah of the, of the firm or the job yeah so it's understanding so first it has to be worthy of being sustainable and sustained yeah so like it needs to yeah. be producing it needs to be productive um, so that's a but prerequisite. That's, i don't know if that's a prerequisite right away though really well, I'll put it like this. Yeah. So since we used the 5K early as an example, yeah. and the reason why I, I'm challenging you on this mm-hmm. is very specific. Like, I think that we as millennials and in our generation in general expect success too fast. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm hesitant to grab onto that thought. Yeah. So let me elaborate then. So when I'm thinking sustainability, it's like we're talking long, pretty, like I'd say – the point you're making is that, okay, yeah, you want to give it a few cycles. Yeah. You to make sure yeah. that you don't want to just try it once and drop it. Right. Yeah, I that's agree what with saying. that. Uh, what I'm saying is once it's been proven and you've gotten some cycles in and, you know, it might have been bumpy, but you kind of smoothed it out. Yeah. And you think and you feel like, okay, we need to figure out how to get this sustainable for the long run. Yeah. Um, I, what I, I feel like it has to come down to is somehow linking it or hitching it to foundational institutional pieces within the organization okay, and finding a way for it to get ingrained. So um, for example, how I think about it is if the program was great, but maybe it's in a department or under something that um, isn't in the core fabric of the company, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a chance that, um, it never gets integrated into like larger company processes and, yeah. you know, is, is, is needed. So I think when you start thinking about sustainability, it's how can you institutionalize it? So it's mm. not dependent on specific individuals anymore. Okay. And like, that's tough though, because people can change rules and policies later, yeah. but like that's your best shot in my opinion at sustainability is yeah. getting it institutionalized where it's no longer involved. It, it, it doesn't 
require specific people um, mm-hmm. for its success anymore. So get it to template, as I say. Yeah, that's a good way to. That's a. That's yeah. A, I'm gonna have to, uh, <laughs> you have to steal that. Yeah, no, I'm good. a copywriter. You're not gonna be able to use it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I do think. I think. Um, yeah, I think getting it to systems is harder than it sounds, though. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think getting it getting it to the point where you're relying on systems is like the hardest thing because a lot of times, and I, I struggle with this, a lot of times you have the system in your head and you don't have it on paper. Mm-hmm. And I, I struggle getting my uh, people that I work with to put things on paper mm-hmm. because they... Um, they just don't have the time. Yeah. And it's and at the end of the day, it's an administrative task, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, well, not only that, you also need people to execute the system. So you can never take the people piece out of that. Exactly. <laughs> and, it's, and so you need people way after you're gone to care about it, mm-hmm. to even want to continue to implement well, it. Well, the, the thing, too, that's with corporate environments that I think is important in this conversation is that um, when you – look at the institutionalizing piece. I mean, that's just the nature of corporate America. A lot of programs that get started, like they just don't live on. Like I feel like a lot of projects that that were important when I worked on them, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like a year or two later, no one, they're forgotten because the business has changed or different mm. things have changed outside, like yeah, external forces. Yeah, I can see that forces. being a huge problem yeah. in the tech field. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, change like, like every day. Yeah, it's like, oh, just, oh, everybody got a new system today. Yeah, yeah you're literally just, you know, in the, in the moment. So I feel like anyone that's looking to get it institutionalized, you need to know what you're getting into. Like yeah. it's, it's very challenging. Yeah. I also think that you have to, in order to sort of create, you have to create a program that's, that's designed to be, um, um, something that c- continues on and goes on on a continuum. Some jobs are designed to create, to end inherently or ideally anyway and so um i think that's something to really consider and if it is something that's supposed to end Mm -hmm. you could use that as a bargaining point and as a bargaining chip you know like Mm -hmm. oh well you know we we only need to do this for three years if we follow this plan Mm -hmm. you know type situation because people love things that have a sort of d-date right Um, (laughs) well to make it super actionable too folks just need to keep in mind the first thing you need to figure out is how to replace yourself Mm-hmm. And then people don't like that. Yeah, like, nobody so, likes that. So that should. <laughs> well, I love it, but that's another barometer don't. to mm-hmm. look at. Is like, okay, how could I effectively replace myself and this thing keep going? Yeah. And a lot of times, if you're able to achieve that, then you are you are on a good path to the institu- institutionalization of it. But mm-hmm. uh, that makes it super actionable. And like, how do you, how would I replace myself and just start there? Yeah, yeah, and you also have to be. I think you get, but if you do that, you got to be willing to train your replacement too, and kind of let go of it. You know, yep. like watch it grow and and be able to People, be willing. They want too much control. Yes, mm-hmm. and, they, and and you don't want to like. <laughs> a lot, I think a lot of times because I st- I struggle with this. Sometimes you just don't want to. You don't want to let it go because you don't want to see it turn into something that you didn't want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to kind of be willing to take the back seat in that. But you know, yeah, you got to figure out your ego. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're playing with your ideas and trying to implement things. Like you either humble yourself on the front end, or you get humbled eventually. Mm. And like oh, that's been, that's quotable. Good I think point. we got. I think we dropped a lot of gems. I'm just. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think this is a really good episode. Yeah. I also feel like. Um, I think in addition to that, you also have to be willing to, if you're going to innovate, you got to recognize that you've gone from being hopeful to being the hope, and so. Um, 
That's what I think Quincy Jones said in um, the Beyonce special. Did you watch it, Shelly? I did. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, I know you did. And so, <laughs> so yeah. Birthday twins, so, you know. Yeah, I love my girl situation. <laughs> But anyway, um, Fabian, it was excellent having you. We sincerely appreciate you coming in. Thank you. For... What's uh, what's next for you? Yes, uh, in Black and where Tech can Mecca and what, what's going on? Where can the people find you? All yeah, that good stuff. Yeah. So, aren't you guys having a conference or something? Yeah. So we have our Chicago State of the Black Tech Ecosystem event coming up uh, June twenty seventh. So oh, we'll okay. have those promos those going out pretty soon. Summertime shy situation. Yeah, so <laughs> Are you gonna have like a mixer? Will um, there be single men there? No, I'm just, I'm just so, joking. Don't answer that. I'm don't sure answer. there's, there's going to be something. I don't know if we're going to formally do it. Uh-huh. But like, there's always something that you know happens either you know surrounding it, uh, like so, a day party. So, oh, yeah, we I mean, we're not day. organizing I'm that. Just but like, we'll <laughs> I'm just joking. Probably just point people in a certain direction. I'm sorry, um, I'm gonna let you give your spiel. No, no. So like, so we have that coming up, and that's going to be really special because. Um, over 2018, we were able to hire a full-time research director and bring oh, awesome. someone on board to take our assessment framework to the next level. So we're actually going to be unveiling our score of Chicago's racial equity in wow. the tech so ecosystem. Like, people are going to get like ABC. Like- yeah, so we have numeric scores where we've scored for, across four pillars. So K-12, through higher education, corporate entrepreneurship, oh, and then wow. there's a citywide score. So we're going to be... That's going to be the grounding. Are you going to publish the report like online or? Yeah, like, so the report's going to be coordinated with that release, and our reports are always free, so anyone oh, okay. can download those. So awesome. uh, that's what's next, you know, here in Chicago. And where is it going to be? Oh, it'll be at Google. At Google, mm-hmm. uh, is it free to anyone to come? Or yeah, it is. Okay, um, it is. But I, I, I just say it's for folks that are looking to learn about the Black Tech ecosystem okay. and actually get involved and roll up their sleeves and you know help out. That's the main. You know, audience that we're looking for. And Are if, you still uh, they wanted... with Sam Sinyangwe from last year's situation? Um, so, not me personally. Our team, mm-hmm. you know, handled all the speaker stuff. Oh, so, okay. uh, I didn't I get to. to them. I just chatted with him briefly. Okay. Um, but we'll I know chat. he's doing amazing work. We'll chat offline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, back to the conference. Where can we, uh, people get tickets or find more information if they want to attend? Yes, yeah, so just black techmecca.org. Okay. So, just go ahead and sign up for our email list so that when we start to blast everything out, uh, and there you receive everything. Okay, awesome. And where can the people find you on social media? Oh gosh, I'm a ghost these Are days. Oh, uh, <laughs> but they, I mean, they can find me. Oh. Uh, I'm out there, just not much. To not active. To. Yeah, okay. but okay. just Fabian Elliott on okay. any platform, and you should be able to find it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Um, stay, stay black, stay Esquire.